0: Alright, good evening everyone. My, my apologies for the delayed start. I usually try to be timely. We're just having some technical difficulties. On that note, if anyone would like to volunteer to head up our AV department, we are, uh, we are looking for some volunteers, Amir Sasham. So we continue tonight in Perek Vav, in Sefer Tehillim. So our our series is dedicated by the Engelsberg, Dinovitzer, and Steinberg families. Nishmas, Harav David, Ben Meir, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an Aliyah and the family of We also thank tonight's Sheer sponsor, Chaiman Rebecca Spiro, Le'iloi Nishmas, Rebecca's father, Mark Retchus, Mordechai, Ben Shalom el We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the will have an Aliyah and the family in chama. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible Talmud. Terrible technology Talmud. I apologize. All right. So we are going to continue Amirat HaShem this evening in Perek Vav. We're going to spend at least this week. We'll see how much we get through this week in Amirat HaShem and continue into next week. So I want to draw your attention. If you remember, again, we spent an extensive amount of time last week speaking about Perek Vav, specifically... Pasek Gimel. We were focusing on, excuse me, Pasek Dalib. We were speaking about. No. no. Pasek Hei. Right? We were speaking no. about Chaltson Right? Chaltson Navshi. So if you remember again, the essence of this capital when we spoke about it was David HaMelech struggling with illness. So if you remember again on last week's shear, we saw the metaphor, the Me'iri explains that David HaMelech wasn't really speaking about physical illness. Rather again, this was a metaphor to Golos. Diaspora, the long night, the long difficulty of Golos was often referred to as a prolonged sickness. But we did see the opinion of the Malbim as well, that this was actually referring to real sickness, physical sickness, and the Malbim alluded to the fact that David and Malach's sickness was one of the byproducts, one of the results of the episode with Batsheva. Remember again, we spoke about this last week. As a result of the episode with Batsheva, there were three different punishments, three onshim. There was the death of the infant son of David and Batsheva. There was a rebellion from within Davar Amalekh's own family. And then there was illness. So according to the Malbim, this capital, which speaks about illness, is a direct reference to the illness suffered and the aftermath of the episode of Shabbat. Now, we're not going to go through the capital word for word, but I'll draw your attention to something really amazing. Because as you journey through this capital, you begin to see, in fact... How many references there are to illness? So if we take a look at number one, just quickly, start with Pasuk Gimel. Be gracious to me, O Lord, because I languish. Heal me, my Lord, because my bones are frightened. Pasuk Dalid, Vinafshi nifhalama od. My soul is very frightened. Pasak ki what's the point of letting me die? No one remembers you in the grave. Pasik I am weary from my sighing. Every night I sully my bed, I wet my couch with my tears. Repeated reference to illness over and over and over again. So the Malbim makes a striking observation, number two. The Malbim says, Ki hispalol David HaMelech said this capital when he was suffering from a prolonged illness. Remember again, the Malvin is the opinion who holds that the illness being referenced in this capital is the illness that was the result of the aftermath of the episode of B'at Sheva. Shabbat Sheva. So the Malbum then goes on. If you look in the third line, he says, I think I underlined it on the sheets. Yes, ad shamizmar Bihlalo. So the Malbum here says something absolutely startling. He says, as you go through this capitol, yedaber al shnei mine ha'ovim ha'machtirim es ha'adam. This capital makes reference now. We'll go ahead and we'll just directly translate. Seeks are two different types of enemies. That constantly pursue man. Two types of enemies who constantly pursue man. So listen to these words. There's the enemy who clings to me from my birth now by the way we're going to see that from the Ma'albin's perspective you could use the word enemy or illness interchangeably David HaMalik is describing two different forms of illness he's describing two different types of enemies what's the different types of enemy slash illness he says there's one type of illness one type of enemy that I have to contend with from the time I come into this earth what's the enemy who's the enemy what's the illness after the time I come to this earth so the Malbim says something amazing. He says the enemies, the illness I have to contend with from the beginning of the life of my life, are my natural, innate proclivities, dispositions, and wants. We're all born with certain tendencies, right? You know, there's a big machlokis in life about nature versus nurture. In general, which is correct, which determines who we are, nature versus nurture? The answer is yes. Right? The answer is both. There are we're, we're, each of us are born with a nature. Right? We're born, we're born with certain teos, we're drawn to certain things. Some of us are born with innate wants and desires for certain things which other people cannot relate to. Some of us are born with proclivities that again are unique to me. So says the Malbim something amazing. Often in life we're born with illness slash enemy. Right? We're born with challenges. We're born with difficulties. They are with us from the beginning. That's one type of enemy, one type of challenge, one type of illness. And then there's the other type of enemy slash illness. And that's the external enemy illness. Right? That could refer to a whole variety of different things. For David HaMelech, that referred to enemies of surrounding hostile nations. That referred ultimately again to antagonistic people within the kingdom so the Malbum here says something amazing. Davam Alic is referring to two different types of illness, two different types of enemies, or better stated, two different forms of struggle. There's external struggle and there's internal struggle. External struggle, does everybody experience it? Maybe, yes, maybe no. I guess I mean I've never met a person who hasn't encountered external struggle, but maybe such a person like that exists. That, it could be. But internal struggle, everyone has. Internal struggle, everyone has. Everyone is born with something. Everyone is born with something. You know, sometimes we don't realize this. And this is so incredibly important, even from a hashkafic perspective. Because sometimes in life, you know, we have a desire for something that's inappropriate. Or I'm drawn to something, to some type of behavior activity that's just, that's just not right. Now, sometimes it could be a result of different things that happened to me in life. But there is such a thing as a nature. There is such a thing as being born with certain wants and certain desires and certain pushes and certain pulls. And some of us have to fight an entire life to keep those things at bay. Sometimes we spend an entire life just trying to go ahead and control things that I didn't choose. Things that I did not create wants and desires and pushes and pulls that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put inside of me that have been part of me from the time I came into this earth. And therefore says the Malvin, David HaMelech is referring to these two types of enemies, the external enemy and the internal enemy. The internal enemy, again, referring to the clashes that we experience because of our innate nature. I'll show you something amazing because to me, this is one of the most profound topics. If you take a look at number three, there's an incredible Gemara in Shabbos. This is actually a great Gemara. The Gemara talks about how your nature, your nature, is dependent on which day of the week you were born. Because at the end of the day, the day of the week you're born corresponds to the Genesis narrative, to my Sibiratius. So the day you come into this world very much determines part of your nature, so I'll just give you the Gemara goes through all the days of the week, we don't only have an hour, so I'm going to go through one of them the Gemara says, Haiman hey for example, someone's born on a Monday someone's, I like this one, I was born on a Monday someone's born on a, I think I was born, on, I'm pretty sure I was born on a Monday Haiman hey to So what? so what does the Gemara say, what happens if you're born on a Monday ragzon. you're going to be an angry person you're going to have a temper I'm avoiding eye contact with my wife right now right, ragzon. Right? You're going to have a temper. You're going to have a temper. My time, I'll listen to this why. Mishum da'afligu bamaya. Because what happened on day number two in creation? HaKadosh Baruch who separated the waters, the upper waters and the lower waters. There was separation. There was machlokes. Machlokes means from chaluka division. So the Gemara says, if you're born on a Monday, you're born on a day of divisiveness. And that midah, that midah, that attribute, that character trait, becomes part of your very DNA. The Gemara gives another example, a more dramatic example. Haiman, so first of all, the Gemara goes through, the Gemara goes through all the different days of the week. And then the Gemara talks about the different astrological signs. Haiman, Tebimadim. Now Ma'adim literally is Mars. If somebody is born under the astrological sign of Mars, now the, ast- no, the astrological sign of Mars is Aries. So if someone is born under Aries, you're going to spill blood. You're going to spill blood because Mars is the red planet, right? Aries was the god of war in Greek mythology. So you're going to go ahead and spill blood. You're going to spill blood. So the Gemara says, "I'm Now, what does it mean you're going to spill blood? Oh, umna. You might be a blood letter. Now blood letter again was the Talmudic form of a doctor. You might be a blood letter. Oganva, you might be a thief. Itapra, e you might be a butcher. Imola, e or you might be a mole. You might be a mole. One way or another, you're going to spill blood. Now you could spill blood in a permitted way, you could spill blood in a mitzvah way, or you could spill blood in an illicit way. But that's the way you're born. That's the teva. That's the nature you have because of when you were born. So this is actually interesting discussion. Amr um, Rabba second, says, one second. So Rabbah, the great sage Rabbah says, I was born under the astrological sign of Mars of Aries and I don't shed any blood. To which Amr says, Amr Rabbaye, Mar Nami Anish He said, really? You don't, you don't spill any blood? You're in charge of the Sanhedrin. You're in charge of the Bezdin. You judge capital cases. You put people to death. You go ahead and you punish people. So you definitely spill blood. You spill blood in a permitted way. You spill blood in even a mitzvah way, but you spill blood. So, you know, this gemara is very intriguing because what this gemara seems to do is paint a picture of almost like our nature is determined from the time that we're born that there's a, pre, there's a pre-programmed reality. I come into this world, and if I'm born on a Monday, I'm going to be one way. Born on a Tuesday, I'm going to be a different way. Born during Aries, different. Born under Jupiter, a different way. And there's almost like a preset reality based on when I come into this world. But you could contrast that with another gemara. Number four, we actually just had this today in Dafiomi. The gemara says, yitzchak, ar Mekarin Gizardino Shaladam. There are four things, four things, which could go ahead and rip up the verdict of a person. Meaning, if for some reason, a person has a negative divine verdict against them. There are four things you could do in life to rid yourself of that negative divine judgment, to rid yourself of that negative divine verdict. What can you do? The Gemara says, You can give tzedakah. Tzedakah, you can daven. Shinoi Hashem change your name, and Shinui Maisa, change your actions. Now, just as an aside, this is not a tshuva shir, but if it was, what I would tell you is as follows. These four things are quite fascinating. What do these things have to do with, and essentially chuva? the Gemara is saying, Chuva has the ability to go ahead and eradicate a negative divine verdict. And how do you do that? Tzedakah, tefillah, change your name, change your actions. So here's an incredible thing. Why is tzedakah, part of tshuva because deep deep down sin right it's interesting sin why do we sin why do we sin I know no one here could answer that question. Mamish, such an said Tzedekani, it's incredible. You'll ask a friend, right? You'll ask a friend, right? Maybe you have a friend who sins. So often, we, right, If when you ask people, why do we sin? So people give a whole variety of answers. There's taiva, there's desire, there's gaiva, there's arrogance, there's an unwillingness to be told. what. At the end of the day, sin boils down to one thing, egocentricity. At the end of the day, I sin because I make the determination that my needs are more important than anyone else's. What is most important in life is that I am happy, that I have what I want, that I satisfy my desires. It doesn't matter what God wants of me. It doesn't matter what my family wants of me. It doesn't matter what my community, what my people, what my Torah, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is what I want egocentricity. How do you combat egocentricity? Tzedakah. Because what does tzedakah say? Tzedakah is you take the money that you worked very hard to earn and you give it to someone else. Whereas the natural desire is to take that which you earn and use it on yourself. I'm going to deny myself certain things because I recognize life is not about me. Tefillah is the same idea. right? When I dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I recognize I am reliant on a higher power There's someone bigger than me. There's someone more important than me. So life is not about my happiness. And life is not about making sure that my needs are met. Life is about something bigger. So you have this idea of tzedakah, tzedakah. All these things kind of paint a picture of humility. But what I want to draw your attention to are the last two things. shinui Hashem. But sorry, Shinoi Shinya Shame, changing your name. We actually spoke about this extensively on Shabbos Shuva, about changing your name, leaving a sign what it actually means. On a most basic level, what does it represent? The ability to change one's identity. You could become someone different if you want to. Same thing with Shinoi Maisa. You could behave differently than you want to. You know, often we think that we are creatures of habit and we create behavioral patterns. And for some reason, we allow ourselves to think that behavioral patterns cannot change. Anything could change. If you want it to change. If I really want to change my behaviors, it's not easy. We all, anyone, who knows, anyone who has ever tried to change a behavior knows. You know that in the introduction to Mishael Hashem, it says it is easier to learn the entire Shas, easier to learn the entire Torah, than change one Midah, than change one character. To affect real comprehensive cathartic change is really hard. But it's possible. But it's possible. You could change your identity if you want to. You could change your name. You could go ahead and change your actions if you so choose. So it's very striking. Because when you look at number three and number four, it's almost as if Chazal are giving us competing ideas about the nature of man. Right? You read Gemara number three, al Shabbos, and the Gemara almost seems like it's a little bit of like a fated existence with a T, fated existence. fate. Right. In other words, when you're born determines who you are. What day of the week determines who you are. Under what astrological sign determines who you are. So there are certain things that are what they are. There are certain qualities, behaviors, characteristics, traits that if when, when you are born, how you are born, those are yours. And yet the Gemara Masechet in number four tells us that what? You could be whoever you want to be. You could be wherever you want to be. You're born under Mars, on Mars, in Jupiter, under Jupiter, right? Monday, Tuesday, Friday, alternate Tuesday, wh- wh- whenever you're born. Whenever you're born, you could become who you want to become. So which gemara is correct? <laughs> which one is correct? And the answer is, of course, they're both correct. In other words, what the gemara, and Chazal are ultimately teaching us, I think, is a very sobering idea. Change is absolutely unequivocally possible. But change is not probable. And this is an incredibly sobering idea. But I think it's a very real idea because we're here to have real discussions about life and about who we want to become. Because all of us are, we, we ask ourselves one simple question each and every day. What do I want to do when I grow up? Right, We're all growing up. We all have a lot of growing up to do. And so the Shad is, what do I want to do with my life? Right. I think most of us probably have not yet figured that out. I include myself in that. What do we want to do with our lives? Why am I here? What did Akkadish Baruch Hu put me here to do? So we have this idea that the Gimar tells us, I could become anyone who I want to become. But at the same time, I'm born a certain way. And the truth is, To push against who I was born as, to become someone different, is possible. But unfortunately for most people, not probable. Most people are resistant to change. Most people are resistant, right? Change is one of the, they say, that one of the most traumatic days that people experience in their lives is an incredible thing. One of the most traumatic days, moving, moving. Moving, they say, is one of the most traumatic experiences. Really? Like in the whole thing of life, moving is one of the most traumatic experiences? But it makes perfect sense because home represents the structure of your life. When you go ahead and you move somewhere else, you are fundamentally uprooting that entire structure and creating something new. I, The new house is nicer. It's better. It's this. It's that. Change is difficult. And give most people a choice between the possibility of change that can pave the way for a beautiful future and present mediocrity, the sad truth is, most of us choose present mediocrity. Most of us stay with what is safe, even though I know it's not great. So the Gemara ultimately is not contradicting itself. In number four, in number three, the Gemara is telling us we're born a certain way. And the truth is, unless you work really hard, The way you're born is the way you stay. But the Gemara number four is telling us that if you want to change, if you want to become the best version of yourself, or if you want to become someone else, or you just want to refine elements of your persona or of your identity, that is absolutely unequivocally possible, difficult, but possible. And I want to show you something amazing. Because this machlokes, right, this very dispute, as to the core of human nature, actually occurred in this week's parsha between Avram and Sarah. If you take a look, if you take a look at number five, sorry, actually last week's parsha. I apologize. So we're a little, a little, a little bit, a little bit behind. So if you take a look over here, the Torah says as follows. I figured we could still get away with this because it's parsha Chayi Sarah, which is a parsha of a reflection of Sarah Meno's life. So we're going to reflect on Sarah Imenu's life through the lens of last week's parasha. So take a look at number five. Pasuk says something amazing. So remember again, just to orient you a little bit. This is after Sarah has given birth to Yitzchak. So now she, Sarah, she's right. Like, she sees one day that the boy, the son who was born to Hagar, namely Ishmael, the son of Hagar and Avram, she saw him mitzachek. The English translation over here is making merry, playing. But Avram. She says to Avram, You have to kick him out of the house. You, he has to leave. He has to leave. We need to raise a yitzchak. We need to focus our energies on a yitzchak. And Yishmael has to go. The says, what happened over here? What did Yishmael do that was so terrible that Sari Imenu said he has to be kicked out of the house? So the Medrash writes over here, number six, as follows: The Medrash writes, the Medrash writes, Amr Abishim and Yochai, Rabbi Akiva, Hayo Omer Omer Bo Dover LeGnai, Vani Omer Bo Davar LeShvach. So Rabbi says <laughs> Rabbi Akiva felt. That there were three possibilities, either one of the three or possibly all three, as to what Yishmael was doing. We're not going to go through the whole Medrash, but the Medrash brings different proofs that essentially Yishmael was engaged in gili arayos, in immorality, in avodas kochavim, in idolatry, and in shvichus domim, bloodshed. So Sara Imenu sees Yishmael engaging in what for us becomes the three Cardinal Averus. Right? Immorality, idolatry, and bloodshed. Rabbi Bayochai says, I don't think it was that bad. I think, in fact, so if you look at the end, by the way, Rabbi Shom Bayochai says as follows. He says, last two lines, he says, Rabbi Shom Bayochai has a little bit more of a timid version of this. He says, what happened was, as when Yitzhak was born, everybody was all excited. Because everyone said, "Oh, Avram has an heir. Avram has an heir," and Yishmael said, "Excuse me, right? Avram does have an heir, right? He's talking to you right now. I'm the b'char. I'm the firstborn, and therefore, again, the rights of the firstborn will come to me." So, shown by doesn't see anything sinful in Yishmael's behavior. He sees Yishmael sticking up for what he perceived to be his rightful his rightful claim to the birthright. So, you see the meshulabi that Sari imenu sees. Yishmael engaging in these illicit behaviors. Take a look at number eight. How oh, it's Avram's reaction. Literally translated, but the matter greatly displeased Avram concerning his son. So, what does this mean? So, most of the Mepharshim understand that what this means is as follows that when Sarah told Avram everything that Yishmael was doing, Avram was very upset. He was very upset. He was very upset. Right? Vayira had dover me'od be'nei and Odo It was very, it was that which Avram heard Odo Spino about his son was Vayira, very very bad in his eyes. But look what the Deradak says. The Deradak says something amazing. Vayira had maod. me'od. Deradak says no. Vayira had dover, I'm sorry. Vayira had dover me'od be'nei Avram. Vayira had dover, the matter was negative in his eyes. Is not a reference to Avram Avinu's perception of Sarah's report, but rather again, it was Avram's reaction to Sarah's desire to send Yishmael away. Avram did not agree with his wife. He did not think that Yishmael should be sent away. Why not? Take a look at the Radak. This is incredible. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Kirachim av Avram didn't want to send away his son. Do you know why Avram didn't want to send away his son? Do you know why? You don't need a whole you don't need a whole Torah on it. It's very simple. He didn't send away his son because his son was his son. Because he loved his son. You see, Avram doesn't dispute the correctness of Sarah Imenu's reports. If Sarah says, I saw him engaging in immorality, idolatry, bloodshed. What is Avram going to say? Well, maybe you made a mistake. You know, maybe it wasn't bloodshed. It was a high five. You know what? what, what, what he's not going to dispute the report. right? It, it is what it is. It is what it is. So what do you mean? You want me to send my son away? You want me to send my b'char away? This is my child. Sarah, I know. You have a different relationship than him. But this is my flesh and blood. This is my firstborn son. And you want me to send him out of the house? Listen to the rest of the radak. tovah Furthermore, Yishmael was on the right derech. He was on the right path in life. Because every day Avram Avinu would teach Yishmael about monotheism. He would teach Yishmael about HaKadosh Baruch Avram Avinu learned with his son every day. And he says to Sarah, Yishmael doing great. He's exhibiting such promise. He gives me so much nachos. He is a proper Ovid Hashem. Now you're thinking to yourself, really, he's a proper Ovid Hashem? What did he just do? What did he just do? Gilerayos, immorality, shvichos damim, bloodshed, and avod zara. But Aram says, ah, but he learned so nicely. He learns. So he's such a good boy. Sounds like a contradiction, right? Isn't this the contradiction that all of us live with all of the time? Not as extreme as this. Not as extreme as this. But on any given day, there's really good things that I do and there are really bad things that I do. And what I hope more than anything is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at me, he doesn't allow the bad stuff to define me. He doesn't judge me just based on how I mess up or when I mess up. But he sees the good inside of me as well. We actually just had this in Dafiomi again today doing all the suggies of chuvam Masechus Rosh Hashanah. And the Gemara Siddhartha who is referred to as Rav Chesed. He is abundant in kindness. And basilis, what does it mean that God is abundant in kindness? Mata Klape Chesed. Mata Klape Chesed means that in life, most of us view ourselves as benonium, right? Kind of like middle of the rotors. That if you look at my life scales, Mitzvos, Averos, they're pretty much equal. So what does mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is abundant in kindness? So the Gemara gives two opinions. Either HaKadosh Baruch Hu pushes down the side of the mitzvahs, so it looks like the mitzvahs are heavier, or he lifts up the side of the Averos to make the Averos look lighter. Either way, he tilts the scales in our favor. So Avram says to Sarah, I know that my son is up to no good. I know. I know. And even if I didn't see it, I believe your report and I believe your understanding. But there's so much good. There's so much good. There's so much good in him. He's learning every day. He's with me every day. He's soaking in the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch every day. Does he mess up? He messes up big time. But there is still so much good within this child. Give him a chance. Give him a chance and he will change. So what was the machlokis Avram and Sarah? What was the machlokis Avram and Sarah? You see, sorry, Imenu. At least when it came to Yishmael, believed a little bit more in the Gemara Masechah Shabbos source number three. And she said, if this is a kid, if this is a kid who's engaging in the three cardinal sins at a young age, he's done. He's done. He's done. He's done. There's something broken inside of him. And by the way, I just want to point out. Do we have the concept of even young people being so broken that they can't be repaired? Do we have that concept in Judaism? Absolutely. You know what we call it? The Ben Sorer umora. There is a concept like this in the Torah. There's a whole discussion about it. Did it ever happen? Did it ever not happen? But there is such a concept of someone who even when they're so young exhibits such egregious behavior that it's almost as if we feel that there's no hope for this person. Sarah looks at Yishmael and one word, hopeless. Hopeless. Hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. There is nothing to do for this kid. So the only thing you could do, you know, sometimes, sometimes families have to make these type of grueling decisions where you could have a number of children in a family and one child exerts a really negative influence, a detrimental, a dangerous influence on other children. And parents have to, sometimes make the most heartbreaking of decisions. What do you do? What do you do? Do you give all of your attention and focus on saving the one child at risk, putting everyone else in danger? Do you go ahead and save the children who you could salvage and hope? These, these are these are serious issues in life. Serious issues. Sarai Imenu says to Avram, "We have a yitzchak. We have a yitzchak. Yishmael is done. He's done. He's done. But we have a yitzchak." And Yitzchak could be raised, and Yitzchak could be salvaged, and Yitzchak could be your heir, and Yitzchak could fill the Abramitic shoes, Avram, of you, after 120, Avram, after 175, right? Yitzchak could fill those shoes. And Avram says, no. I mean, yes, I agree with you that he's done some really, really, really bad stuff. But to say that my son is unsalvageable? to say that my son can't be saved, to say that my son is beyond the point of no return, to say that my son was clearly born under the zodiac sign of Aries, right, of Mars, and he's a shofech domim, and so there's no hope for this boy anymore, Avram says, I can't accept that. This was the machlokis Avram and Sarah. Can people change? Do people change? Or do we just say after a certain point in time, this is your nature, this is who you are, this is going to be what you're going to be, and the truth is there's no hope for you. Sarah Imenu clearly felt there was no hope for Yishmael, Avram, and obviously, and I want to be clear, it's also because Sarah had a different relationship with Yishmael. It was not her child, Avram. It was his firstborn. It was his Bukhar. Remember again, I think we spoke about this two weeks ago, or maybe last week. Remember when Hashem tells Avram that he's going to have Yitzchak, right? We spoke about this. When Hashem tells Avraham, you're gonna have a son Yitzchak with Sarah. So we all expect that Avram Avinu is gonna do like a biblical backflip, right? But but he doesn't. What do you remember what does he say to Lu Yishma Yichel I don't even know the son. I have a son. I have a son, I have Yishma. We're good. We're good. Maybe give me a little bit more chizik, maybe give me some more parenting tools, a couple of seminars, how to, how to deal with the Yishmal, right? I could, I could definitely use that. But at the end, of, I, I don't need any miracles. I don't need any miracles. Lu Yishmal yechalefamecha. was his bachar. And Avraham believed in his son. He believed in his son. But isn't it incredible that already in Saif Eberatius, this is about the nature of man is occurring within the first couple, right? Within the first, with the patriarchal couple, I'll call it. Between Avram and Sarah, the first Av, the first Aim, are having this makhlukes. Sarah Imenu is saying, it's clearly Shmal has his proclivities, his wants, his desires. This is who he is. Don't try to change it. You're not going to change it. Avram Imenu is saying, change is difficult. Maybe it's not probable, but it's certainly possible. So who was correct? So who was Correct. So I'll show you something very interesting. If you take a look at number ten, take a look at number ten. So Yishmael is sent away. You know the story. Yishmael is sent away, and the pasuk, the way the Yish, you see Yishmael's story kind of ends, right? The next after this pasuk, the next time we hear about Yishmael is actually at the end of this week's parsha. The pasuk says when Armadinu died, that Yishmael Yitzchak and Yishmael come to bury their father together. But this is the last Pesach about Yishmael. How does the Torah describe Yishmael? Number 10. <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem was with Yishmael. <speaking in Hebrew> he dwelt in the desert. <speaking> in <Hebrew> he was an archer. He was an archer. What a strange Pesach. On one hand it says that God was with Yishmael. What does that make it sound like? Good guy. Good guy. <speaking in Hebrew> it's got to be a good guy. But yet again, what does he do? What does he do? He's an archer. He's a hunter. That's all. That's what you do with your life. You're an archer. You're a hunter. You're a vet. That, that, that's who you are. That's your identity. See, see almost these two identities wrapped up in Yishmael. On one hand, again, the fact that the Torah says that Hashem was with the Nair, Hashem was with the lad, indicates that HaKadosh Baruch, who saw in him goodness, even though Akhalesh Baruch Hu tells Avram to listen to Sarah and to send away Yishmael. I want to be clear. Hashem agreed with Sarah. You have to go ahead and remove Yishmael from the home so that a Yitzchak could be raised in the proper atmosphere of Kiddush and Tara. But that same God who said you have to remove Yishmael also said, also, as Vahielu Kemasanar. just pointing out something so incredibly amazing. That embedded in this story is the very thing we struggle with each and every day. And I'll tell you a little secret. I'm not going to do it. But if I were to tell you, raise your hand if you believe change is possible. Right? I guarantee you everybody would raise their hand. Right? Good. Everybody would raise their hand. Change is possible. How many of us, how many of us deep down actually believe that? And of course, everybody's going to raise their hands again because you don't want to look awkward, right? But at the end of the day, I want to tell you something that I absolutely, unequivocally, one thousand percent believe. I'm not an old man, but I've been—I've been with people long enough to know most people do not believe they can change. They don't believe it deep down. They don't believe it. This goes back to what we said in last week's share, right? It's about slach lano and on neila. Right? We spoke about this idea, right? I asked forgiveness from my college, right? Because I don't believe I was forgiven. I don't believe I can really change. We don't, we really, deep down, many of us walk around just assuming, I am who I am. I know, yes, I believe in change, no, 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 whatever, but can I really change? Can I really change? Think about how much cathartic change have we undergone in life. Think about just, we're, we're, we're still in a pandemic. Right, you remember again when the the pandemic started, like 15 years ago? Right, do you remember again? And, and, And what happened? And everyone was just, oh, whoa, this is gonna be the season of change. Wow. The world is being turned upside down. Everything's gonna be upside down. I'm gonna work on myself. This is gonna be the season of change. Have we changed? I would venture to say many of the changes that we made are kind of back at the same place where we were beforehand. And I will tell you, this is just an observation, I see many of the changes that have occurred in myself and in others as actually being negative and not positive. I feel we've become much more confrontational. I feel that we've become much more opinionated. I feel that we've retreated much more into our own camps. I feel that we've, we've created dividing lines that are much starker than before. We've withdrawn from community in many different ways. There are changes. I think when you add them all up, I don't know that the net gain is positive. And I'm not usually I'm usually a pretty optimistic and upbeat person. But I think when you look around, I see individuals. You know who I see the greatest change in? It's an incredible idea. Children, which is something absolutely amazing. I see this, you know, Shabbos night, the, the line takes a little bit of time here Friday night because I like to ask the kids some partial questions. And sometimes I see the kids who started different learning projects because they were home at different times or because they were in quarantine this one. It's incredible. It's incredible. Seems almost as if the children have understood something in this dynamic that the adults have not. But we'll leave that for a different time. So we know that change is possible. Do we actually engage in change? Do we actually believe that we can do it? So this is the machokis, Avram and Sarah. Sarah didn't feel at least for Yishma that change was possible. Avram felt it absolutely was. Who's right? They're both right. They're both right. Avram Avinu was unequivocally correct. Change is possible. But Sarah Aminu is correct in that change is not probable. Most of us just kind of stay where we are. So when Sarah looks at Yishmael, she assumes if this is what you're doing now when you're young, this is what you're going to do when you're old. But I want to show you how the story with Yishmael really ends, and then we'll bring it all together. See, because the way our, we know what our conclusion is. Our conclusion is that we have to believe in the power of change. How only do we have to believe in it? We have to practice the power of change. And each of us have things in our lives that we have to change. Whether it's relationships we have to change, character traits we have to change, behaviors we have to change, we all have to change something. And what we see from this entire discussion is change is possible, not probable. Why isn't it probable? Because it's really difficult. So if change is so difficult, what do you need in your life In order to find the courage to affect change. So the answer is actually by Yishmael. Take a look at number 11. This is perhaps one of the most moving Midrashim. I know I said that last week also. I think I say it every week, but this is really one of the most moving Midrashim. Listen to this story. (laughs) So watch this story. Here's where the story picks up. Avram has sent away Yishmael. In accordance with his wife's directive, God's intervention, he says, Well, Ishmael. Three years later, after Avram bin sent Ishmael away, Avram wanted to visit Ishmael. The Nishbala Sarah, but Sarah did not want him to go. Sarah felt it was unhealthy for Avram to have a relationship with Ishmael. It's not your future. It does, it's not going to help you. It doesn't help the cause. It doesn't help the Abrahamic enterprise. No relationship. What was the compromise they made? The Nishbala Sarah, I remember, listen to the deal. I'll go visit Yishmael. I'm going to go on the camel. I just want to say shalom aleichem. I won't even get off the camel. That was the deal he made with Sarah. I'll go to say hello, but I won't get off the camel. He reaches Yishmael's home in the in the desert, the middle of the day. He meets Mrs. Yishmael, his daughter-in-law, who he had never met before. So he asks Yishmael's wife, Where is Yishmael? Oh Yishmael, he went out with his mother, with Hagar, to go ahead and collect food from the desert, literally fruit and dates from the desert. So Avram Avinu said, Okay, Avram says, Excuse me, can you give me a little bit of bread and water? I'm an old man, it's been a long trip. She said to him, No, I'm sorry, we have no bread, we have no water. She wouldn't offer him anything. Aram said, fine, he had to go. He couldn't wait because he promised Sarah that he would not tarry, it would be a hello. It would be a hello, he wouldn't get off the camel, go back, he can't wait. So he says, do me a favor. When Yishmael comes home, please give him the following message the son of a wise man is at least half a wise man. Avram took it for granted that Ishmael would understood the message. What was the message? say to Iishma the following: Me kinan Balir. Tell Yishma that an old man from kinan came to see him. Vaamr and the old man, sorry he missed you, but he wants to leave you a message. Miftan Be, Change the threshold of your house because the threshold is not good for you. This was Avram's coded message of saying to Yishmael, you grew up in a home of chesed. And if there's one thing you should understand, and the one thing your wife should understand is chesed. And if an old stranger comes to your home and asks for bread and water, you offer them bread and water. Yishmael, the woman that you're married to is not going to provide you with the life you need. So the woman, not understanding the message, the wife, gives, gives Yishma the message. Yishma marries a second woman, and the marriage says her name was Fatima, Yishma's second wife. What happens? Fast forward. Another three years elapse. And Yishmael, Avram wants to see Yishmael. The, and once again, Sari Imenu protests. And once again, Avram promises, I won't get off the camel. I'll just go, I'll visit, I'll say Shalom Aleichem, and I won't even get off the camel. Once again, he shows up midday Yishmael's tent. So once again, Avram comes and Yishmael's not there. He says to the he says to the woman of the home, "Where is Yishmael?" Amr lo, Amr lo, Amr lo. Who veimo holchul Oh, he went with his mother to pasture the camels in the desert. Amr maat Avram says to Fatima, Tishmael's to wife, "Could I have a little bit of bread and water? Ki because I'm so tired from the journey." She took out bread, she took out water, she gave it to Armul Vinu. Look how the magic ends. Ahmad Avram So you have to imagine this scene. Armul Vinu is standing outside the tent of Yishma. You know, life is an interesting thing that sometimes there are people who you have access to all the time and you never take advantage of it when they're with you. And then they're not with you. And you try to connect with them, and you're like, as they say, ships passing in the night, right? Two times in six years, Avram tries to see his son, and two times in six years, Yishmael's not there. So Avram Avinu has to go home, because at the end of the day, he promised Sar that he would not tarry. He promised Sar that he would not stay. So before he goes home, what does he do? Avram Avinu stands outside the tent of Yishmael, and he davens. And what is he daven for? Vespalal al bino. He davened for his son. Avram davened for Yishmael. Beiso shall yishmael mikal tov and Yishmael's tent, Yishmael's home, was filled with all different types of blessing. Right? Because of the Brachas, because of the two of his tent was filled with all different types of Brachas. And what happens? Avram leaves. Yishmael comes home. Yishmael comes home. And remember, Avram never identified himself to Fatima, to anyone, Yishmael comes home, so his wife told him everything that happened, this old man from Canaan came, he had some bread, he had some water, he was looking for you, he davened outside the tent, and Yishmael sees what happens, and Yishmael in that moment knew, how much his father loved him, in that moment, Yishmael knew. My father sent me away. And that will forever hurt. And that will forever sting. But I also recognize that there are certain, there are circumstances beyond me. But in that moment, when the old man from Kinan came twice in six years, when the old man from Kinan davens outside my tent and on my home is held with bracha, Yishmael understood how much his father loved him. And I think that this message is so powerful. First of all, it's powerful just on a variety of, of relationship levels. About how much we have to take advantage of our life relationships while we still have them. While we still have them. And while we still have the faculties to enjoy them and to appreciate them. How often does it happen in life that we're so busy with everything else that we forget to appreciate our loved ones? Whoever your loved ones may be. And by the time we're ready, by the time we have the time, by the time we slow down, maybe they're not here, or maybe I'm not all here, whatever it might be. Avram had a Yishmael, but ultimately, again, he tries to see him twice in six years. But the point that I want to bring out from this Magish, I think, is something different. Is that Yishmael was fortunate to have someone in his life who believed in him. You see, what the Magish is highlighting over here is that Avram believed in his son. He had to send them away because when God tells you to do something, you do it. But Avram Avinu believed in his child. And his child knew. Yishmael knew. My father believes in me. Do you want to know how it is that Yishmael is kicked out of the house? Literally kicked out of the house. And by the way, it's not like a simple kicking out. It's not like, you know, Yishmael will relocate, relocate to, you know, to a nice apartment somewhere. Remember again, Hagar and Yishmael are expelled from the home. Yishmael lies there dying, right? He lies there dying. Right? He lies there dying. He lies there dying. You want to speak about family trauma? You want to speak about unresolved father issues? Right? Yishmael was kicked out of the house in the most dramatic ways, but Yishmal also understood. He was aware enough to understand that there was something bigger happening around him. There was something bigger with Sarah. There was something bigger with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what is it that allows Yishmael, going back to source number, source number 5, what is it ultimately, again, sorry, 8, what is it that ultimately, again, sorry, 10, what is it that allows the Torah to say, Vayhi Elohim How does Yishmael maintain the ability to change? Because I want to point something out. You know Yishmael might have had a rough start, and maybe when Sarah saw him, he was engaging all these illicit Averos. But that's not the identity that the Torah carves out for him. In fact, again, at the end of this week's parasha, when the Torah says that Yishmael went ahead and buried Avram Avinu together with Yitzchak, you know what Rashi says? Melamed shechazer b'tshuva. Yishmael changed. He changed. The boy who was engaging in immorality, idolatry, and bloodshed. The boy who was engaging in the most heinous and egregious of behaviors. He changed. Do you know how he changed? Do you know how he changed? Because he had someone who believed in him. Because he had a father who believed in him. Because he had someone who reminded him of the Gemara Mesechas Rosh Hashanah in number four, that Shinui Hashem, changing your name, changing your actions is possible. And when Avram Avinu, I guarantee you, when he had to say goodbye to his son, on that day when HaKadosh Baruch who said, you have to kick Yishmael out of the house, I guarantee you that with tears streaming down his face, Avram Avinu told his son, I love you. I believe in you. You can be great. And even though it doesn't appear that Avraham ever saw his son again while he was alive, because it appears that after the first two trips, the marriage doesn't seem to think that he made any more trips, he never got to see his yishmal again. But even though they never got to meet face to face, yishmal knew that his father loved him, but more importantly than loving him, yishmal knew that his father believed in him. You see, in life, in life, you have to make sure that you have at least one person who believes in you. And this is incredibly important. And I don't mean friends, because the truth is, you know, we use the word friends, we use the word friend and acquaintance very interchangeably, right? I have a lot of friends. I mean, I don't have a lot of friends, but people who say that they have a lot of friends, nobody really has a lot of friends, right? You have acquaintances, right? A friend is someone who you're connected to at the Neshama, right? A friend is someone ultimately, again, who would be there. You know what a friend is? A friend is the person when you do something really bad, is going to tell you, by the way, that's beneath you. That's been You're so much right. Everybody's thinking, my friend count just dropped significantly, right? Right? That, that that that's 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 a friend. That's a friend. We have a lot of acquaintances and a lot of people we're friendly with, but you need someone in life who believes in you. Sometimes it's a spouse, but sometimes not. So people can have a very good marriage, but they don't necessarily get that from their spouse. Sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it's a sibling. Sometimes it could even be a child. Sometimes it could just be a good friend. It doesn't have to be someone who's related to you at all. But everyone needs that Avram Avinu who whispers into their ear, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe that you can be great. And even when you mess up, I believe that you could change. And I can believe that you could become better. And just like it's important to go ahead and have that for yourself, it's equally as important to make sure to be that for someone else. Make sure that you give that to someone else in your life. You know, if a person is privileged to have children, and it doesn't matter if your children are young or your children are old, do you know what the power of a parent saying to a child, I love you and I believe in you. I, I believe in you. I believe in your ability to be great. Not I believe in you to get 100 on the test. That, that, that's not what we're talking about over here. I believe in you to become great. I believe in you to accomplish great things. We have to make sure we have someone like that in our lives, and we also have to make sure that we give that to someone or to many others in our life as well. Because the truth is, the truth is, you know, I was very privileged to grow up in a home with parents like this, and I'm very privileged to have a wife like this, who constant positive reinforcement. And the truth is, when you have it in life, It doesn't always mean that you always do the right thing. And it doesn't always mean that you actually always become better. But wow, what chizik it is to know that there are people in your corner who believe that you could become someone and something great. So if we bring this all together, both Gimaras are correct. Avram and Sarah are both correct. There are aspects of us that are the way we're born. There are aspects of us that are pre-programmed. And that's why change is so difficult. Because change often requires me to go against something that is innate inside of me. But just because it's difficult, doesn't mean it's not possible. Sarah said, Yishmael's done. Avram said, he might do terrible stuff, but he does a lot of great stuff also. HaKadosh Baruchu, Rav Ches said, he pushes down the mitzvahs, lifts up the Averos, doesn't define us by our failures, but sees the full picture. Yishmael is able to do tshuva because he has a father who believes in him. So we should be Zelchem Yerts Hashem. First of all, to identify the innate things which sometimes give us some trouble in life. It's good to have a sense of self-awareness, to know what are the innate things, what are the innate issues, traits, character, characteristics, behaviors, proclivities. What are the things that are kind of part of me that I recognize I have to deal with? Number, number two, to find the courage to actually deal with them. Number three, to recognize change is possible even if it's not probable and it's ridiculously difficult and it's going to take a lot of time. Number four, to make sure you have someone in your life who builds you up and reminds you that change is possible each and every day. And number five, to find the courage to be that for someone else as well. We should be zochem Hashem to internalize these lessons. We should be zolchem Hashem to take advantage of the power of change. We should be zolchem Hashem to become the best version of ourselves.